You want to get started? Oh, uh, oh, are we here to talk about something besides children and pets? Uh, books. Pretty sure that's what this podcast is about. Books. It is. I thought it was about children and pets. No, I'm pretty sure we're called the book life, not the kid life. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Hey guys, here's what's coming up. On April 25th, we will have our Patreon pick episode. For the month of April, our patrons have chosen The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Haro. You might remember this author from our episode on The Once and Future Witches a while back. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. We have all sorts of cool perks available from our miniseries and monthly episode picking polls to bookmarks and books from our TBRs. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, the Pirate Queen, Sam, and Megan. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are so glad you're joining us to talk about a Southern mm, magical realism book called the midnight at the blackbird cafe by heather weber this is a newer publish mm, when was this published i think very very recently right i think so i think it came out last year maybe i've got the book i'm looking first edition july 2019 uh first trade paperback which is what i have january of 2020 so not last year but within the last couple of years all right so listen 2019 was last year at this point. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what year it is. So it's good enough for me. I love finding, okay. For one, I love the cover. I feel like the cover is absolutely gorgeous. And I love the, for one it's blue and there's this little bitty pie with a little bitty blackbird on it and blueberries and a little bundle of spoons. It's very artistic. It's like an Instagram post, you know, it's a very aesthetic Instagram post from like, one of those Instagram people who like makes food just to take pictures of it. It's one of those pictures. Mm -hmm. So I, if I should never say I'll buy a book by its cover, but this is a book I would like walk, you know, how when you're walking past, you're going into like the big bookstores and they have those displays right in the middle and they would have like new fiction. That's a cover. I would go, Ooh, Ooh. And I would stop and I would look and I would pick it up and I'd be like, hello, do you want to come home with me? And the book would say yes. And it would come home with me. Yeah. I'm not a huge, just like general fiction person. Like sci-fi and fantasy are usually what I will gravitate towards. But if I had just seen this cover on a shelf, I would have stopped and looked at it for a minute. Like, oh, that's pretty. What's that? Oh, definitely. So I saw that you yeah. read it. Or, well, I saw that you were holding the physical copy. I assume you read it as a physical book? I did. And how did you like it as a physical book? It was good. I'm glad I did it as a physical book. I personally didn't like it enough that I will ever reread it. That's not to say I didn't like it. I very much enjoyed this book. But it's not a reread book for me. And... So as a consequence, I'm kind of like, I sort of wish I hadn't bought it 
But at the same time, I'm going to do a giant unhaul at the end of the year of all the physical books that I've read. So, I mean, you said you wanted this copy, right? I would happily take the copy into my collection. Yes. Okay. It will go to your collection at the end of the year then. Perfect. I listened to it. I got it from the library and I listened to it on, I think, my Libby app. Pretty sure it was on Libby. And I enjoyed it. I loved the narrator. Because Anna Kate did not grow up in the South. Um, it wasn't done with a Southern um, accent. But the all the characters besides Anna Kate had that nice Southern lilt. Because it's Alabama. And I loved it. I loved how it translated. It was great. Sometimes I did have to speed it up a little bit. Because it was... I don't know why authors think that if a book is set in the South, it needs to be slower um, cadence. And I'm like, no, no snappy snappy let's speed it up a little bit so I did um I did have to increase the time like I had to make it faster because I was like okay come on <laughs> keep keep talking okay I, I don't think I would survive in the south <laughs> to be fair I speed up all of my audiobooks anymore so like I'm just so used to listening to audiobooks in general I start at like 1.2 anyways so that's faster than normal speed and I normally like speed up as I get further into the book and I get used to the narrator <laughs> so yeah I'm kind of glad I didn't get the audiobook for this but it's fine any other thoughts before we move into my fun facts that I found I don't think so I would love to hear your fun facts <laughs> all right first fact the title and a lot of the premise of the book is based off the Beatles song Blackbird that's a pretty song yeah it is so she heard it and she just felt like she needed to write about it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Heather Weber was a Girl Scout leader for five years. Relevant to me, a Girl Scout leader. <laughs> also, she once caused a small kitchen fire by leaving a pot of boiling water and oil unattended. <laughs> yeah. You know what, girl? I've, I've done that too. You know what I've done? I was making pineapple upside down cake for my coworker for his birthday. Um, when Abby and I both worked in an office once upon a time. And I definitely caused two fires making those upside down pineapple cakes oh no you did crap on fire is fine because the sauce you know it's, it was all good i didn't burn down the apartment or anything it's all fine <laughs> anyway i identified with her mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i'm uh-huh. glad you identify with her <laughs> i did all right your turn uh can i have to summary the book please sure Nestled in the mountain shadow of Alabama lies the little town of Wicklow. It is here that Anna Kate has returned to bury her beloved Granny Z, owner of the Blackbird Cafe. It was supposed to be a quick trip to close the cafe and settle her grandmother's estate, but despite her best intentions to avoid forming ties or even getting to know her father's side of the family, Anna Kate finds herself inexplicably drawn to the quirky southern town her mother ran away from so many years ago. And the mysterious Blackbird Pie, everybody, can't stop talking about. As the truth about her past slowly becomes clear, Anna Kate will need to decide if this lone blackbird will finally be able to take her broken wings and fly. Do you feel like that summary accurately represents the book that you read? I think it accurately represents the portion of Anna Kate's book. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was expecting there to only be one main character in this, but there's actually two. So there's Anna Kate and then there's Natalie. And I wish the summary said something about Natalie to like tip you off about it. 
because they kind of threw her in right away. And you're like, wait, I thought the book was about Anna Kate. And they're like, well, just kidding. You also get to read about another character. And you're like, who is this chick? Why am I, why am I following this lady when I should be following Anna Kate's story? Right. And that kind of like, that kind of um, disappointed me right at first because I also didn't take to Natalie right away. So I was just like, why am I following this woman around? Why am I supposed to care about her? She's not even the person who is in the summer. She's not the main character. It's a, like, it took a little bit for me to warm up to Natalie. And in general, I ended up liking her, but it was like, mm, I wish something had been said about her in the summary so that I would have had an idea, you know? I could completely agree with you on that aspect. And I feel like this book is... That summary is so surface level, and this book has so many layers to it. There's so much to dig into, so much to explore between all the family ties that you run into, um, small communities, forgiveness, grief, gosh, love. And I mean, of course, love, but like not just like romance love, but young love between two young people coming out of high school, love between two adults who have grown old together love between a grandma and their granddaughter. There's so much in this book. And I'm just like, I'm like, Summer, you did not actually describe what book I read. Yeah, it, it was very surface level for a summary. Mm-hmm. I would have expected more. Because this is a very relationship-centric book. Mm-hmm. It really, really hones in on the relationships that Anna Kate ends up forming with all the different people in town. It focuses on Natalie's relationships with her family and Anna Kate and her daughter. And just like, it's so relationship centric. It's all about the relationships because that's where the mysteries are. That's where the interesting plot points are. It's all about the people. Mm -hmm. Very true. Well, but speaking about those people, who are the people in this book? All right. Well, we have Anna Kate, our main protagonist. She has inherited a cafe from her grandmother and must work there for 60 days before she sells it and goes back to medical school. We have Eden Callow, who is Anna Kate's mom and Z's granddaughter. She, at the beginning of this book, has passed away several years prior. We have A.J. Linden, who is Anna Kate's dad. He is Celie and Doc's only son and Natalie's older brother. See what I, see where I'm going with all these relationships, guys? It's already complicated. And he passed away when he was 18, I believe, before he went off for college. Then we have Zora Z. Callow, who is Anna Kate's grandmother. We have Bo and Jenna, who are a married couple, and they work at the cafe. We have Natalie Linden Walker. She is AJ's younger sister, and she moved back to Whitlow at, or Wicklow after her husband's death. Uh, we have Celie Earl Linden, who is AJ and Natalie's mother. She's also a town socialite. And yes, picture a Southern socialite. That is Celie. Yeah. Yes. There's Olivia Ollie Lee, who is Natalie's toddler daughter. There's Doc Linden, who's married to Seeley, and as the name would suggest, he is the town doctor. Uh, there's Cam, who is a mountain man and photographer. There's Gideon, the town lawyer. And Summer, who is an 18-year-old girl who sells Anna Kate eggs at the cafe and other farm fresh ingredients. Cool. 
you came for a book about Anna Kate, but you actually got a book about what? 10 other people and how they all interact with her and how they all interact with one another and how everyone is entwined. And once again, Southern small towns, we know how this goes. Everyone's up in everyone else's business. Yeah, because these are just like the main characters that get focused on. There's so many other characters in this book because it's a small town. <laughs> like we didn't even dive into the, the regulars at the cafe. We didn't. I mean, like there's just so there's just so much. Yeah, there's other townspeople. There's regulars at the cafe. There's the bird watchers. There's like there's so many other people in this book. <laughs> right. It's loaded. It is. But it's good, but we liked it. It was a well-woven story. Well, guys, I'm itching to kind of deep dive and talk about some of the characters. So, as always, if you have not read this book, I greatly recommend, I recommend it, and that you should stop right now, pick it up, read it, dive into these characters, dive into Wicklow, Alabama, and then come back and hear us talk about our favorite characters, least favorite characters, favorite scenes and least favorite scenes and give, and we'll give you our ratings. But if you just want to spoil it, go ahead. That's fine. It's your, your business, not mine. So we'll see you guys in a second. Talk to you in a minute, guys. I'm Kayla. And I'm Haley. And we host a podcast. We majored in English for this. It's a weekly show on YA fiction and tomfoolery. Join us each week as we rant, rave, and recap your favorite young adult fiction books. You can find us on all your favorite streaming platforms. And now back to your show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you have not read Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe, we highly recommend that you pause right now and go read it. Because it's a very enjoyable book and we don't want to spoil it for you. If you have read it, stick around. We're going to talk. How about favorite characters okay my main favorite character um is gonna be anna Kay because who doesn't like a strong independent smart main character when she knows pretty much what she wants she wants to go to medical school she wants to become a doctor this is her goal in life also well she kind of promised her mom that goal but she's gonna keep it because that's what she wants as well okay that's right anna kate but i appreciate the journey that we see with anna with Anna Kate, sorry, she has a two name, Southern, forgot the two name thing in the South. And I really feel like as she grows, we get to see her, instead of living for her grandma, or living for her mom and living for the memory, she makes decisions for herself. And I really like, I know how hard it is. Like you don't want to, you know, you lost your loved one. You don't want to let them go, but you also have to be true to yourself as well. And when we see that at the end, I was like, yes, girl, that's right. Be happy. I also love Natalie, who is Anna Kate's aunt, which is weird because she's like four years older than Anna Kate or six. Like not like they have a very small age gap. Like they could just be sisters and basically some aspects. But I really identified with Natalie because she's a young mom raising her toddler. She's by herself. Not that I'm raising my kids by myself, but she's a toddler mom. Mm-hmm. And she's she's. She's wearing a lot of weight on her shoulders because she just lost her husband, lost her house, doesn't have a job, had to move back home. And now she's living inside um, her parents' pool house. So she kind of has some space, but also she's trying to make her own way again and find herself. And she's 
kind of feel it. She's kind of crippled by that evil thing called anxiety. And mom anxiety, especially about kids, is like super stressful. And I'm like, Natalie, you're doing great. You got this. You're taking great, you know, good job with Ollie. And I just kind of wanted to cheer for her the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy when she found, slowly found love again. Um, very slow, burnt, very much like, holding hands kind of romance like not even a kiss i don't think very much happened i mean i think it did but like the focus was not the the romance the focus was natalie's journey of healing and her mom that's a whole nother story <laughs> love ollie she's adorable i mean she's a toddler we see throughout the book she's learned to talk she gets better at it and i love how she just immediately like she's like mm, i like anna kate She's going to be my friend and just kind of opens up and Kate Hart to the Lindens. Like, I feel like Ollie was the gateway. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Doc. I like that he wanted to make amends and did his best and was persistent with Anna Kate. He knew he had done wrong with his son's um, basically girlfriend, which was Anna Kate's mom. And he's just like, you know, I'm an old man. I have cancer. I don't want to leave the world as it is and I want to have a relationship with you and so I appreciate that he wanted to make amends and I really like Bo and Jenna because one they're shapeshifters <laughs> Bo's a cat Jenna's a bird and I love how they stayed to make amends to the cows and lindens by working at the cafe because essentially they caused Summer's dad to make the car swerve because Bo was chasing Jenna and Summer's dad didn't want to hit the cat or was a dog. I don't remember. I know the cat was being chased for sure. Or someone. He swerved to miss the cat, which was Bo. And he did clip Bo because he, you can see Bo has this ragged scar down his leg from where the cat got hit. But I love how they stayed and, you know, they gave time back to Z and they helped Anna Kate. And they kind of led her through the town and got her to um, connect with other townsfolk. Just by being a sneaky kitty and going hey follow me follow me through the town meow 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 and also mm-hmm. it kept the plot moving which was nice so tell me how about for you i really enjoyed anna kate i liked her as a main character i thought she was really interesting to follow and since she hadn't grown up in the town she was meeting everybody for the first time it was nice to follow her and meet everybody with her that's a really good device when you're introducing as many characters as are in this book um, is to introduce them with your main character meeting them for the first time. So I really liked that. And I liked that on the flip side, Natalie, who is the other main character, ended up being like she knew everybody already. Literally, she knew everybody already because she grew up there. So it was kind of a nice balance between the two. I really liked Cam. I <laughs> just like a mountain man. I thought he was really sweet. I liked that he did photography. I liked his relationship with Natalie. I just, it was so wholesome and sweet. And I loved it. I loved every time he showed up. He made me smile every time he showed up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I also liked Gideon. I thought he was a really good match for Anna Kate. But at the same time, he wasn't at all pushy. He was very much like, I like you, but I'm giving you all the space that you need because you're working all this other stuff out with the cafe and her grandmother and her mom and all that. And so I really enjoyed their relationship, like outside of the romance part as well. 
and he was just a good character. I liked his character too. Mm-hmm. I like how you put these guys and I was like, man, yeah, they're fine. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like I get that this whole book is about relationships and the drama that comes from them, but drama is not really my thing. So I was like, eh. <laughs> why are we not just speaking to each other? I know. <laughs> logical. Uh, okay. So we have the same least favorite character. <laughs> Let's talk about Celie. <laughs> oh my God. One, the way she treated Natalie, um, especially Natalie growing up after AJ died, really ticked me off. I'm like, girl, you are not dealing with your grief at all. You cannot just shut. I don't know how old um, Natalie actually was four or six when her brother passed away. And Celie just blocked her out like and Celie thought that she was doing the right thing because she lost her child that she you know her first child that she loved so dearly and then they struggled to get pregnant with Natalie because that's why she came so much later and she's like crap I, I lost one kid I need to protect this one and so Celie became overprotective but also became distant like she did everything unfortunately wrong and drove a wedge between her and Natalie. And also Celie just is kind of a, I don't know, man. It's kind of a giant bee. Celie is one of those people who suffers from the rhetoric that therapy is for the weak and the crazy. Mm-hmm. And that is highly unfortunate because as a character, I found her very compelling, but equally as frustrating. God forbid, I can't. I can't imagine the pain of losing a child. Mm-hmm. So I I can understand why she became so overprotective and also why she became so distant. But if she had gone to see a counselor or a therapist, she could have worked through that and not made Natalie's life a hell. <laughs> you know? So it's like, yeah, I get where you're coming from. I understand the pain there I understand your reactions to the pain but it shouldn't have stopped there and that was the problem because she stopped there in her pain and her grief and she didn't work through it she just stayed there stagnant and that can make you really bitter and a giant bee and honestly a horrible mother Mm. so honestly I mean like I get her trying to be overprotective because she lost her other kid But then I also understand her distancing herself emotionally from Natalie because she, at the same time, didn't want to be hurt like that again if she lost Natalie. So again, it's like, logically, I get where you're coming from, but you stagnated there and that was the problem because all it did was hurt everybody else. It was awful. Yeah. Also, (laughs) it... Maybe it's just me, but I didn't find the age gap between um, Anna Kate and Natalie that weird. Just because my oldest niece is only eight years younger than me. I was eight years old when she was born because my sisters are just much older than I am. So like that, I wrapped my head around no problem. I was like, oh, okay, it's kind of a situation like I have. That's fine. I get it. But yeah, Celie just, if she just been a therapist. Yeah. Or just like acknowledged that she had a problem even. Because that was the other thing. Like. She wouldn't acknowledge that 
she had an issue or a problem, she wouldn't acknowledge that she was stuck in her grief. And it's just not healthy. No, and it was so sad. I'm like, someone needs to help this woman. I was looking at Doc like, snappy snap boy, let's go. Right? Well, and I think I think if Doc had pushed, he might have eventually gotten her to see somebody and talk to them and deal with her grief. But instead, he just kind of sat back and let her have her way. And so I feel like, he's almost as much of an accomplice in this whole mess as she was oh for sure because like she was a major issue but he also was an issue because he didn't take any steps to help his wife he he needed to push her right like i would expect my husband if i was in celie's place and refusing therapy, I would expect my husband to do something more than just sit back and let me have my way, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I would expect him to oh, talk yeah. to me about it and to try and, like... And he was a doctor. Right. Like, you know? Like, come on, buddy. Yeah. I just... No. Bad all around. I know. I'm with you on that. It just... None of it... None of it made me happy with Celie. I'm like, there is so much wrong with you, woman, that you need to get your stuff addressed. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've gone on our Celie tangent, shall we talk about favorite scenes? Sure. Why don't you start us off? Okay. Well, first off, I love Annika's relationship with Natalie. I love how this is her aunt, but she doesn't treat her like an aunt. She treats her more like a favorite cousin, you know? And then her relationship with Ollie, and she's like, mm, this is my niece. All good. And even though it's her cousin, like, it's just like that weird, like you said, because you you had a, you became an aunt very young, and, you know, he's kind of like having a friend, basically, for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I love how Natalie accepted Anna Kate first into the family, saw that Anna Kate was hurting, and she was like, Mom, stop being a bee. Like, this chick has just lost her grandma, lost her mom, and we're her family. So stop it, you know? Mm-hmm. And Doc is like, we already lost our son, and we lost 24, 25 years of not having Anna Kate here. Stop pushing her away. So, and then I love how Ollie just took a shine to her. And then, like, my favorite scene with Ollie and Anna Kate. <laughs> Is when they're at the uh, movie night at the park and Ollie has one of um, AJ's old toys, I think a tractor or a truck, and she's playing with it and she's showing it to Anna Kate and she, they make a connection, a deeper connection through AJ, even though he's gone through their toy. So, and I was like, mm, mm, feelings right there. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, I love the magical real- realism in this book. I love one. Bo and how he let Anna Kate around as a cat like come here my darling you need to follow me and go meet this person because kitties are sneaky and he was quite sneaky and I love where we get to kind of meet the blackbirds and feel their influence since they were the guardians of this you know passing messages back and forth from the spirit world back to our world you know and it came through these pies that the people are eating at the blackbird cafe I love that I love how it's like these Celtic women came over, settled here, planted their mulberry grove, and now we have our little spirit talkers. I don't know. I love that little bit of magic. Just kind of, ooh, I loved it. It was just perfect. 
another like really touching part for me was when Celie gave Natalie her baby blanket. Finally, like, holy crap. How long have you been working on that? Cause she gave Natalie, I think Ollie's baby blanket sooner out of all of Ollie's clothes. And Anna Kate had her dad's baby blanket with all of his um, baby clothes made. And it's just like, I don't know. I'm just so disappointed of how Celie shut down and took until Natalie was an adult to finally give her her baby blanket. But I also loved how they bonded over sewing. And when Natalie asked for her mom's pattern, Celie showed her her whole book with all the designs and swatches of cloth that she used. And I was like, look at this. Look at this relationship you could have had, Celie. Get, get, get it together. So I was mad at her, but touched. And I'll still favor seeing that. I still liked it. That whole thing really got me too. Cause like, my gosh, can you imagine how that could have helped Celie get over her grief by bonding with her daughter over something they both loved? Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Celie just shot herself in both feet, honestly. I know. I'm, I'm trying to be sympathetic to her, but she also makes me a little crazy. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Oh, I know. I know. Anyway, please go on. Well, lastly, I love Anna Kate's heart. I love how she helps Summer, who we mentioned in the beginning, how she's selling eggs to the cafe, even though Anna Kate didn't need the eggs, didn't need the ingredients. It gave money back to you. And she was like, yes, I will buy it. Bring me more tomorrow. But then she went on to help Summer raise money for her college tuition by working to incorporate her dad's blackberry tea recipe into her menu and giving any time that tea sold, she gave some proceeds back to it to um, Summer. And then she also coordinated selling Blackbird Cafe t-shirts because these blackbirds brought in these bird people and they're like, oh, these blackbirds aren't in, coming out at the weird time. Blackbird shouldn't be here. And she's like, oh, let me capitalize on this. And she gave that money back to Summer so Summer could go to school. And, mm-hmm. you know, we learned that Summer's dad was AJ's best friend and he had been the one driving but they protected him and after AJ was killed and Natalie had blacked out you know he had crawled away and was gone or maybe he was asleep in the, no he was asleep in the back seat that's what it was and AJ was driving and something hit the tree or something and then AJ died from there and then Natalie had not Natalie my bad Eden got the concussion and couldn't remember things but, you know, Eden didn't turn in. AJ's best friend, Eden just left, took AJ's blanket, raised Anna Kate. And I don't know. Anna Kate brought it all back together. You know, she, I feel like she healed the old wounds that Summer's dad was holding on to yeah. by helping his daughter be successful. Yeah, I love that storyline. Yeah. Obviously, I don't care about the guys. Eh, whatever. Meh, romance. Meh. <laughs> all good. Your turn. Okay, so... I really enjoyed that disastrous first date that Cam and Natalie had. See, I told you, I'm like, meh, romance crap. It's fine. (laughs) Well, like the romance is not a huge part of this book. It's really all about family relationships. But man, that whole scene was just one disaster after another. And I kept cracking up and it felt so bad for Cam and Natalie. But at the same time, it felt like exactly like what I would expect a Southern disaster of a date to play out like mm-hmm. it just felt so right that everything went wrong <laughs> and I enjoyed it immensely 
And I really enjoyed how Cam took the whole thing. And at the end of it, I really wanted them to just try again. So yeah, I was rooting for them, but that was very fun. Mm -hmm. I loved every time Anna Kate baked or came up with a new recipe because it always was such a soothing description to me. Like to me, I can totally picture just like this quaint little Southern kitchen with some flour in the air. And she's like baking something with sunlight streaming in and just like, it's such a calming picture in my head that I enjoyed it every time it was brought up, you know? I did love that. I also want to eat everything that they talked about in this book. Right? Like, is it Kansas fried chicken? Is that one of them? Oh, I don't remember. I just remember that there were a lot of delicious things that I wanted to eat in this book. And I wish there had been recipes in the back. Mm -hmm. Mm. If there had been recipes in the back, I would have planned to keep this book. (laughs) And I also loved Anna Kate helping Summer raise money for school. I loved the whole storyline. It just, it pleased me greatly, especially since it drew in her dad and helped resolve his old wounds and like used his recipe to um, earn profit for his daughter to go to school. Like everything tied in so nicely with that. I loved it. Me too. (laughs) And the, the last thing, I really loved the old people romance. It was a side story that was just kind of like, popped up here and there but I really enjoyed it because you had this old guy who was eating the blackberry pies to get drinks from his dead wife and one of the little old ladies who was sweet on him kept like trying to encourage him to not eat the pies and then like was doing things like buying all of the blackbird pies that were left so he couldn't have one and just like trying to maneuver her way into his life more (laughs) And so like that whole storyline just like made me giggle every time it was brought up and I just enjoyed them. And I liked that he eventually like, even his wife in his dreams was like trying to encourage him to let go. And so, I mean, it was a sweet one. I liked it. Mm. Yeah. I do love old people romance. That was really, that was a good one. Also, they all, they all got to eat the pie and I was quite jealous of them getting to eat the pie and having this whole table where they all got to sit together every day and spend time together. I'm like, I'm like, I want to be an old person doing that. I know. Okay. So when we're old people, we're going to do that. No, when we're old people, we're going to sit at the library and go. (laughs) That's a good possibility. And then I'll be like, Abby, have you seen my glasses? They're on your face. Oh, (laughs) are you sure? No. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're right. We'll hobble our way down to the cafe for coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Precisely. I love it. Uh, what about least favorite scenes, Abby? Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. I I might get some backlash for this, and that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I brought it up to our book club, and they were all aghast at me as well. <laughs> uh I didn't like the end where Doc was still alive. It's it, okay. It's not that I wanted him dead. I just expected him to be dead by the end of the book because he was terminally ill. And so it kind of bothered me that everything was wrapped up in this nice, happy little bow at the end, but he was still alive. And I'm going, 
he's not acting very sick. <laughs> um, didn't they say he only had like months to live kind of thing? Like, because he was getting really bad towards the end of the book. And then this last scene, I'm like, is he going to like die the next day? Like, what is going? <sighs> it bothered me. It just bothered me. <laughs> And again, it's not like I wanted him to die. I just expected it to happen and it didn't. So it bothered me. You're so funny. I know. Um, I struggled with the keeping the promise bits. Like it was fine the first couple of times it was brought up. But after that, it just felt like a very contrived excuse for drama. You know, like... Mm. Like, okay, I get it, but stop acting like it's a huge deal that you, you can't change your mind on. I don't know. Well, I am going to just whoop right into it. I struggle with the same exact thing. I'm like, listen, Anna Kate, great for you. You want to keep your promise? You want to go to middle school because your dad was going to go to middle school and you promised your mom to go to middle school, but you love the cafe? Just freaking stay at the cafe. Like... You know, and she, I'm like, you want to honor your grandma, but you legit love the cafe. You love the blackbirds. You love baking. You have so much joy from baking and making new recipes. You have a place to live, a successful business happening. You don't need to go to medical school. You get to stay with your family. Like I needed her to make a solid decision and set a course, which is very much a me thing because I would take very decisive action in life. And I'm like, Anna Kate, make a decision. Are you going to medical school and selling the cafe or are you sane? Mm-hmm. Your mom, this one should be happy, dang it. Just be happy. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't like flip-flopping. Like, I get there's a big internal struggle because, I mean, there's a lot of emotions attached to either decision. But at the same time, make the decision. You you can't waffle through the whole book and expect me to continue waffling with you. That just, Mm -hmm. that's not in me. (laughs) Let me tell you. Unless you're making waffles and that's different. I love waffles. So you went on a little tangent. Here's my tangent. Seeley drove me up the wall, then down the wall, around the wall, under the wall. Oh my goodness, Seeley. Please go see a therapist. That's the entire premise of me and Seeley's (laughs) storyline. drove me up and down and around and I'm like I cannot stand this woman also a tangent on this she really irritated me when she didn't respect some of Natalie's parenting decisions like calling um Olivia Lee Ollie you know what Ollie likes it stick with it it doesn't matter or like waiting on swim lessons which by the way kind of wasn't Seely's side that Ollie needed swimming lessons but it is Natalie's decision as the adult for her daughter to get the swimming lessons. I understand Natalie has some trauma since her husband drowned at a lake with the water. Get that, totally fine. Natalie went to go see her therapist, thank God, to get herself fixed. But her mom, when she was watching all I just went and did it. And that really bothered me because as the secondary caregiver, you need to respect your primary caregiver's kind of wishes and desires and kind of work around it. And not just bulldoze them, even though you're there. I also struggle with this in real life, which is probably why it kind of mm-hmm. made me irritated. Anyway, but yeah, she need to give her daughter space and let her daughter parent in the way that she saw fit and be supportive and not a giant bee. The end. 
Right. Well, and here's the thing. If Celie had waited a while on the swimming lessons until Natalie had, you know, gone to therapy for a little while, she probably would have had an easier time and actually been able to convince her and get her to agree to it rather than going behind her back about it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like it was an immediate, this has to happen right this second today. It's a, this can be put off for a couple months while Natalie figures some of her stuff out and then maybe she won't be so resistant to it. Because like, no, it's not wrong to get the child swimming lessons, but it's wrong to go against what her mother's wishes for her are. And that was the big thing. That was the big thing. I was just like, no, if you're going to parent a child and you have to parent with the other parent, regardless if you're the grandparent or the parent, it is a joint together decision. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, and it's also a trust thing too. Cause like, I can't imagine leaving my child with somebody I trusted to not go against what I would want for my child. And then to come back and find that they had done like specifically what I'd asked them not to do with my kid. Like I would never trust them to watch my kid again, you know? Oh yeah. Like that would just be an automatic there is no trust here anymore. And so, and I, and I know Natalie didn't really have much choice. I mean, she had some, but at the same time, she was very constrained by her situation. So I get why she made the choice she did. And it just, yeah, it, it rubbed me the wrong way that that was done behind Natalie's back. And the name thing is like, call the kid what, the parent wants them to be called until the kid is old enough to go, Hey, I don't like that name. I want you to call me Olivia Lee instead of Ollie. Like how hard is that? Right. Like it's a name. <laughs> it's a cute name. Ollie's freaking adorable. Of course. What was I thinking of? Ollie reminds me of lollipop. So for some reason I thought like Ollie, like the giant lollipop a lot of the times, but don't, I don't, I don't know. My brain is weird sometimes <laughs> when it like latches onto certain things and it latched onto that. Mm-hmm. Well, like, so my oldest goes by his middle name because he has the same first name as my husband. But if he comes to me one day and goes, Hey, I don't want to be called that anymore. I want to go by my first name. I'll be like, okay, it's going to be weird for me, but if that's what you want, or, that's fine. Or what if he decided he wanted a nickname from his middle name? And go like with a traditional or a nickname from his first name. See, I don't like any yeah. of the nicknames for James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, what, what if he told you he wants to be called Matt or Jim or Jimmy? What else is there? Could you be? Uh, Jamie. Jamie is a nickname for James. Mm-hmm. The only person that can be called Jamie better be a Scotsman and wearing a kilt. But yeah, I mean, if he came to me and told me he wanted to be known by one of those nicknames instead I would do that for him I wouldn't like it but I'd do it for him (laughs) because at that point it would be his choice but I'm just just why just why anyway that was my least favorite character obviously least favorite scenes involve Seely except for the one with them bonding over the patterns and everything and she got better at the end but seriously oh my goodness gracious so Abby Mm -hmm. What are your final thoughts for this book? I would like to take a moment 
to talk about the fact that apparently Bo and Jenna are shapeshifters and were responsible for AJ's death. And somehow I read this entire book and completely missed that fact. <laughs> I find confusing because I'm like, surely you would like latch onto this. You would think, you would think I of all people would have latched onto the fact that they were shapeshifters. But I was dead certain that there was just a very smart cat around town. <laughs> I completely missed all the signs. I just, I thought for the life of me, there was a very smart cat around town that just kept leading me in a cater around to places. And I did not make this connection at all. Even when they talked about how they felt responsible for AJ's death, I was like, well, that's weird. I did not make this connection until we were talking about it in book club and somebody mentioned that they were shapeshifters and I went, excuse me? Same. Same. I feel so dumb. I just had to put that out there. As far as the book itself, it's four stars. It is a solid book. It's full of Southern charm and magical realism. Like I said earlier, I personally don't think I'll ever reread it. I don't have that urge. Uh, but I would recommend it if you're interested in Southern charm and magical realism because it was a good book. I enjoyed reading it. What about you? Well, for me, this is a solid four star and a definite um, recommend book for my friends who like this kind of genre. Like, I I don't know. I have like friends who love fantasy and friends who love sci-fi and friends who just like fiction. And this is one of those where someone, oh, Mo, you read a lot. What book would you recommend? And I'm like, I want to tell you to read a fantasy novel or sci-fi or a young adult adventure. So I have to reach into my back pocket and look at my fiction, historical fiction. I whip out a book like this and say, oh, you would like this book for sure. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, you have such good recommendations. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. You're right. But I still, I mean, it's a good book. I recommend it to a few people to read and they all loved it. So I think my recommendations are pretty awesome. So it's a solid four star for me. All right, everyone. Well, that is the end of our episode for Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe. We will catch you again. And remember, in two weeks. So you guys have a great, great, wonderful, whatever you do. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you in a couple weeks, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our miniseries, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.